Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Our title this morning is, is called Counting the Cost. And we're looking at together what it means to call yourself a disciple. And I know last week we talked about what salt and light living. You guys remember that? What it means to three of you? Okay, cool. Well, we talked about salt and light living and what it means to represent Christ and how that looks. And this almost, this message today, even though it's week two, it should be like a prerequisite to everything we talked about last week. Because this is where it starts counting the cost of what it means to follow Jesus, to really be a disciple. There's a lot of people that profess Christ. There's not a lot of disciples out there. And so we're going to challenge each other, challenge yourself. And, and I know as I've, I've studied this, it's challenged me. Am I a disciple? Am I really, really a disciple of Jesus? Because I aim to be and I want to be, but this is, this is very intense. And so we look at a, a disciple is not just a lifelong learner, but it's a lifelong learner that puts it into practice. And so you can know all the scripture in the world, but if you don't apply it to your life and how you treat other people and how you serve God, then it's useless. Who cares how much scripture you memorize if you're not putting it into practice? The devil himself knows scripture. We know what his eternity looks like. Read the end of the book. I have. He's, he doesn't have a, a great future ahead of him. That's how he tempted Jesus. He twisted God's word. So we have to learn how to apply it and what that means to follow God and be a disciple of Jesus. So turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 57. And we are going to jump to Luke 14 after this. And uh, um, these, are, these are very intense passages of Scripture, to say the least. And if it's not intense to you, then... I pray the Holy Spirit opens your heart to realize how much it actually is. Verse 57, we there say amen. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus was always very honest and still is about the clarity of the cost what it means, and what it's going to cost you to follow Jesus. And if it hasn't cost you anything yet, I would ask you, are you actually following him? Because <laughs> it's scriptural and it, it's real. And, and, and maybe following Jesus as of now has not cost you anything, but I guarantee you, as long as you continue to follow him, it will. It will. And then you get to notice, am I really a disciple, or I do this thing and follow Jesus when it's convenient? Because if you look at these people, that's... That's what they're saying to Jesus, basically. Lord, I want to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Let me, let me take care of A, B, and C first. Let me do this over here. 
let me deal with these issues in my life or deal with my family, then, then I'm all yours, Lord. He's like, nope, not fit. The time is now. You follow me or not, make that decision now, today. Understand what that means. And you may think, Jesus, this sounds harsh, but he's getting to the heart of, of these people. In the first one, it's like, Lord, I want to follow you. I go wherever you go. Like, this is going to be great. He's like, I don't even have a place to live, man. Like, I'm couch surfing right now. I'm, 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 I, I don't have a set place where I post up. And Jesus didn't have a building where he's like, come to me and I'm going to give you a sweet message. You want to worship? Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. Come to me. This is the opposite for Jesus. You realize this? He went out. And shame on us when we do the opposite of Jesus. Have you not done this? I've done this. I've, I've come to my church. Come to this Bible study. Come and see this event. Oh, if you would just know. Oh, instead of actually, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to disciple you. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. You're not going to escape it. I'm not going to give you an option. I'm going to tell you about Jesus right now. I'm going to share how amazing he is, what he can do for you. I'm not going to expect you to come one day and grace this church's presence by walking through the doors. Instead, hopefully we can be disciples that actually go out into a world that is lost and dying and going to hell and actually love them enough to share the gospel. Is that crazy? Like that's what we're supposed to do? Do you do that? Have we followed Jesus instead and get to this point like, God, when I get this promotion or I make this much money, I'm going to start tithing and offering or I deal with my family in this area, then, then I'm all yours. And Jesus is like, no, you won't. You make, you make that decision now. What does Jesus want from you? All you got. Everything you can offer. Everything you have. And, and I think it's, it's normal for a lot of people that call themselves Christians, that they came to Jesus initially to feel better. There was trauma in their life or there were problems and they want to feel good or, or they need a miracle or they need something and, and they, they realize, they get this epiphany, the Holy Spirit draws them in that Jesus is the only one that can transform you and change your situation. You obviously can't do it on yourself. But yet we come to Jesus that way, but then it's like, that's got to stay, and Jesus has got to keep us happy, and he's got to continue to answer our prayers, and he's got to continue to do for me and bless me and give, 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 give. If not, Jesus, I'm not following you anymore. Do you notice that with people? They follow Jesus. They say they do until faith gets really hard, and you have to give up things and lose things, and, and it's, it's when you become a Christian, yourself is no longer in charge. Do you guys realize that? how you want to do things, what you would like to do. If someone punched me in the mouth, I want to punch them right back. Jesus says, no. And if that happens, I have to turn the other cheek. The people that are my enemies that actually are out to get me, I've got to love them? What? Are you kidding me? And you look at these things that, that these people said to Jesus or asked Jesus, and he's like, you know, let me go bury my own dead or whatever, and, and, and let, me, let me go home and say goodbye to my family. And as we follow Jesus, and once we actually commit to following Jesus, you are not promised to be able to do that anymore. And some of us have realized that in our own lives, being here. You're not here by an accident. You claim to follow Jesus and you love him and you follow him. You were meant to be here in this moment right this second. 
And maybe for a lot of you, and even for me, because God brought you here, there's some things that happened back home that you would have loved to dealt with, but you couldn't. There are some issues that happened you would have loved to go and be or be there for someone else or do something, but it wasn't feasible and you couldn't do it. I know for me, as I was here the first year I was here, my grandfather passed away. I love my grandpa so much. I couldn't go to his funeral. It was not feasible. Why? Because God had worked for me here. There were things here I needed to do. There was discipleship that needed to be done. There was growth in me I needed to deal with. The funds that I had had to go towards ministry and this call that God put on my life and not dealing with that. And it's like we don't get those promises. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean he promised you a mansion and a kingdom like David. Like, oh, Lord, give me a a majestic house. You know, like, no. Because the Son of God humbled himself. And if you follow him, you've got to be okay with being able to give up stuff. Because at the end of the day, you should want him more than his stuff or what he offers. Not just, and, and if you have a nice car and you've got a nice house and you've got a family or whatever else, the things that you have, count yourself blessed. Really, you're blessed. Like when you're struggling or whatever, or dealing with things, think about what God has given you and be like, wow, I am way more appreciative now. Thank you for what you have given me that I don't deserve, nor do you promise to actually give me. Because you look at the disciples as they follow Jesus, they didn't post up a place. They followed him and they walked with him. And sometimes as we follow Jesus, we're going to be put in super uncomfortable positions. Amen? Amen? If not, give it time. I'm telling you, give it time. It is not easy following Jesus. And I say that you're, you know, yourself's not in charge and it's God. And it doesn't mean that you have to deny the skills that you have or the lessons that you've learned, or the wealth that you have. You can still have that stuff and follow Jesus. There's a lot of people he blesses to still have things, but your mindset and where your heart should be is, God, you've blessed me with this, and you've let me grow in this so that I can glorify you, so that I can bless other people, so that I can share what I know with other people and help them out and be there to lift them up and encourage one another and not, it's all about me. I have this nice car because I want it and it helps me. It's, it's maybe you have a nice car and you've got a working car so that you can drive someone to, to somewhere they need to go or bless someone or bring them to church if they don't have a car or whatever, whatever else it is. Like the blessings that you have, maybe they're actually there for you to steward and give God glory instead of worrying about yourself all the time. Ouch. Does that hit anybody else like it hits me? No? It's tough, man. It's this, this, this is crazy what he, what he talks about, the, the cost of following Jesus. And you know what Jesus promised you? Persecution. <laughs> what? That's what he promised you. They're gonna, man, the world's going to hate you. It's going to be hard because they hated me first. Because as you follow Jesus and you, you walk like him and talk like him, I mean, Jesus tells you what's coming for you. You need Jesus. You need his power and authority to help sustain you. But that only comes by really knowing him. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Continue with me to Luke chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 25. We're going to read these two verses and then then go to the next few verses. 28 through 35, I think it is. Verse 25. You there? Say amen. Are you all okay? Are you all good? Pumped to live for Jesus right now? Verse 25 says, Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife 
and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Do you see this radical commitment we as disciples need to have towards Jesus? Do you recognize what that means to actually love Jesus? Not incorporate it in the life or, or pray to him when you have an issue, but loving Jesus in, 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 in the reality that where he stands and how much you care for them, that if someone gets in your way, your family, someone you love, and they're trying to deter you from following Jesus, you like, I'm willing to cut that completely out of my life to follow you, Lord, if that's what it takes. That's intense. That's intense. In, in, in light of loving Jesus, it's like, in comparison, it's like a hate to everyone else, even to yourself. I don't even want to do what I want. Lord, I just want to glorify you. I just want what you want. I just want to go where you want. I love you so much. Wow. And it's like, you know, think, think of someone you love right now, okay? Close your eyes if you want to. It helps you visualize it. I don't care. Think of someone you love, maybe a spouse or a kid or, or family or friends, mom, dad, whatever else. Have you ever sacrificed anything to show your love for them? Have you ever saved up to buy something special or, or, or done something significant that you necessarily didn't want to do? Like, I, I know for myself, especially when Shay was pregnant, I don't like rubbing feet all the time. That's not, that's not, I don't wake up in the morning like, oh, give me them toes, girl. Like, no, right? That's not something, but I do it to bless her and love her and show her that I love her. I care about you. Especially when she's pregnant. I'm like, I got the feet. I love you. This is how I show I love you. And it's one of her love languages, strangely enough. She likes her feet being rubbed. Being pregnant, you understand what that's like? Have your feet rubbed is awesome. Maybe not. I don't know. Shay loved it, okay? So I, in this, I sacrifice what I want to do, which is probably sit and watch a show, and I'll sit and rub her feet, love on her and talk to her. And I wonder... What you're willing to say, if you'll do that for people you love here, what are you willing to do and sacrifice for your love for Jesus? Does it even relate? Shouldn't it be so much more? If we love our, our spouses and friends and everything else this much, shouldn't our walk with Jesus seem really, really intimate? Of man, I don't want to pray today. I don't feel like getting in my closet for 10 minutes today, but Jesus, I'm showing that I love you. I'm, I'm denying, I need you. I need to spend time with you. I need to talk to you. I need to have communion with you. Speak to me, Lord, instead of, ah, I don't really feel like it. You don't love Jesus. If you're not willing to give up anything, if you're not willing to be completely committed, and isn't this interesting with, with how Jesus handles the crowds? Because I don't know about you, but I, I, I've heard in, in churchianity which is what I will call it right now, is that a lot of churches I've seen, they want the numbers. They want people in seats, man. Because the more people, maybe they'll give more. Maybe we can grow a church. Maybe more people can be saved. But right now, we're really worried about bringing people in the church. We want them to sit. We wanna, we'll do whatever Bible study that, that, that people you think they would like or whatever event you think they would like or do something to get, to get them in here. We want the crowd. We want the people. Maybe someone to be saved. It's all worth it. And Jesus does like the exact opposite. He's like, I want quality, not quantity. I don't care if, if, if I have 200 people following me. If they're not really radically committed, they're not following me in the first place. They're lying to themselves and they're lying to me. That's not what I want. 
That's not what Jesus wants. People that just come to church and check a box. Who cares? Who cares? You think you're impressing Jesus? Because he's not impressed. This is what it means to be his disciple. To bear your own cross. And, and the people that, that were around him at this time of day, they knew what the cross was. The cross symbolizes something very painful, agonizing, shameful. You're rejected, you're hung up, and you experience these super painful moments just trying to gasp for breath before you die. Jesus is like, are you willing to do that for me? Because if not, you're not worthy to be my disciple. What kind of radical commitment is that? Who else tells you to love him that much? You know what I mean? This is intense. We should understand and recognize that our relationship with Jesus should be so much higher than our relationship with everyone else. And if we're not willing to, then recognize, maybe I'm not a disciple. Maybe I'm really not. I want to be. Lord, show me how. But Jesus is showing us how that you have to be radically committed. And that means the call to follow Jesus is a daily, brutal fight between your flesh and spirit. Brutal. It's brutal what you want to do and how you want to do things versus a lot of times what God wants you to do and how he tells us, commands us to live. Just go through and read the letters. I mean, read the New Testament. It's radical. Radical. Does your life look like that? That you love people that much that you would be willing to give up anything and get beat and thrown in prison for the sake of the gospel and praise God after it's over? Instead of, oh, my back hurts, God, why'd you let that happen to me? But like, yes, my back hurts. Thank you, Jesus. I got to represent you well today. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you for giving that opportunity to suffer for you. Wow, what an honor, Lord. We don't think that way. Do we? Do you? Does anyone in this room really think that way? Man, I would like to believe that if that happened to me, I would be like, God, I give you glory. But man, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't experienced that. And it doesn't mean I will, but it should mean that I'm willing. It doesn't mean we're all going to get beat and die for our faith and be martyrs, but we should be willing to. Because guess what brothers and sisters around the world do? That's their reality. And you think we're okay just coming and sitting in a chair for an hour? T tell them that's what you do and that's how you follow Jesus and watch them laugh in your face. <laughs> that's not following Jesus. That's not, that's not showing dedication and commitment to him. And for a lot of us, it, it, the closer we get to Jesus, the easier things can get. I know I've not been a Christian as long as a lot of you here. But as you follow Jesus, you, those sins, you recognize, man, sin actually does separate me from God. That actually messes with my relationship with him. Like It dulls my ears to hear God. It hardens my heart to not really love him with everything and actually love people. Like I should love people. I should have a heart for people. That's what following Jesus means. I should love people. I should care about people and not be upset when things don't go my way or they're mean to me. Who cares? I should still love them. I should still help them out. If they hate my guts and they've spent their entire life trying to destroy me in their time of need, I should be the first one to go and help them out. That's radical. Right? And it's not easy. You look at Jesus, the Son of God. How, how was his time in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross? Did that look easy? Reread it. 
dripping blood. They're dripping sweat as like drops of blood, like profusely sweating, knowing what he was about to go through, knowing what he was going to have to endure, the rejection he was going to have to face, the shame he was going to have to face, the people that he came to save and represent and love and lead them and give them access to the Father are going to be the very ones that turn them over to the Roman government to be crucified. Tell me you spend your life loving people and doing everything you can, and they are the ones that have you killed and stab you in the back. Will you be able to love them after that? Jesus still did. It's radical, this love. And so we have to ask ourselves, like even though it's hard, aren't we willing to go through it? And if we're struggling, like, I don't know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to live this way. I don't want to go this route or take this job or whatever else. But it's like, at the end of the day, God, not my will, but your will be done. I, I only want what you want. Is that where we stand? Do you, look at your life. Do you only want what Jesus wants for you? Or do you got your own agenda that you're working towards? Because if you're just working off your own agenda, you are not living an active disciple life. You're not. You're looking out for numero uno instead of, God, I'm yours. I offer myself as a living sacrifice. Work through me. I die to myself every day just so you can shine through, Jesus. That's the reality of a disciple. Y'all okay? This is hard preaching, right? It's hard to hear because it challenges us on where we stand with God. Man, am I really that close to God? I should be. This is what it says, but am I reflecting that? What are you addicted to more than Jesus? Would you serve Jesus if he took away your spouse and your kids? Would you, could you honestly say you would do that? That's a hard one that I struggle with when I came to Christ. Because I knew God called me in shade of missions. And, and God really wrecked me in the way of showing where my heart was and my allegiance was. Because I remember very specifically, I'm laying in bed and God spoke to me. And, and not like an audible voice, like, this is the Lord. And I'm like, ah, you know, but it was like in my spirit. And he's like, would you still follow me if I take Shay? And you know what I said? Nope. I will not follow you. You take my wife. That's it. I'm done. And it was just this process that I had to struggle and wrestle with that. Okay, God, I will. I will. Because you know what happened when I said no? Shay got really sick ridiculously sick, took her to the doctors. They had no idea. She couldn't move. She could barely speak. Doctors had no idea what was wrong with her. And I'm struggling and I'm angry because of what God has told me. And I'm like, he's going to take her away. You know, you take her. I'm not following you. I'm done with this, Jesus. You're not showing you love me. You take my wife. I've had a hard life my whole life, you know, and now you're going to take the one good thing I have. And he's like, I should be first. I should be first. And it was hard recognizing that. And I remember that I was coming to Shay and, and I was praying, you know, for her. And then the last couple of days, I just stopped praying completely. I was not in my word. And remind you, this is while I'm trying to raise money to do missions, right? It doesn't matter where you're at in your call with God or your walk with God. You can still struggle. Like people still struggle, right? And so as, 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 as we're raising money, I stopped praying I stopped reading my word. I am so upset and angry. I'm mad at other Christians because I'm like, well, if you call yourself Christian, she would be healed. Obviously, you don't know Christ either, you know, and like getting all these weird things. And then Shay told me, she sat and she mustered up. She was like, what is, what is God trying to teach you? And I'm like, 
that obviously people don't know Jesus like they should. And this is ridiculous and everything. She's like, no, 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 go talk to God. He told me to tell you, you need to go talk to him. And as I went and spent time alone with God, he reminded me of what I've been struggling with and reminded me of the allegiance I should have to him. And I told him, I was like, I'm so sorry. I failed you. I do put you first. If you take her, I will still follow you, God. I promise you. You know what's crazy? She went and took a shower. God spoke to her in the shower, said she's healed because I prayed. The next day she woke up perfectly fine. It's amazing what God will bring you through to show you where your heart's really at and to challenge you. Are you really following me? What if I take this away? Think of the hobbies or things you put above Jesus. What if God took that stuff away? Would you still follow Jesus? Because being committed to him radically means you still do after that. And I wonder if the churches we've been to, if they're filled with people that daily deny themselves for the sake of letting Jesus shine through. You notice that at churches? People that completely deny themselves and give up things they want to do for the sake of loving Jesus and showing that they love Jesus and blessing other people. Are we that church? Is that what we're known for? Like, man, you go to SMCC, those are real disciples. Wow, I have never met a church so dedicated to Jesus. Like, not just corporate, like individually in their own lives. You talk to any of them. They just, man, it's Jesus all the time. Jesus 24-7, loves them so much. They are constantly, like, it's hard. And they tell me there's hard things that they have to deal and things they give up for the sake of Jesus and the glory and the joy that they bring to Jesus and that they get through that. And like, wow, have you talked to those people at SMCC? Is that our reputation? Is that your reputation for yourself? I want it to be mine. Man, I want it to be mine. Maybe it's not, but oh, after hearing this, like that's something I'm going to strive for more and more. Let's continue the next few verses. Verse 28. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or the manure pile, or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is showing us this this call, this answer to the call of being a disciple. The decision you have to make, is it a thoughtful or hasty decision? Because Jesus shows what it looks like when it's a hasty decision, when it's just off the whim. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, I think I'll follow Jesus. And how many people do we know? I don't know. I've known so many people that have raised their hand up in a service and prayed the prayer that the pastor said. And then like two weeks later, when life got really hard, they completely gave up on Jesus and stopped following him, stopped reading their Bible. And it's like, you were never his in the first place. Because to really be his disciple, you understand the cost of what it means. And maybe we as a church have not been clear to people about the cost of following Jesus. 
And I understand we want people to get saved. And we want people to go to heaven. But I, I promise you, if you ask any sane person, would you like to spend an eternity in torment and hell and fire where you're just going to be destroyed and ripped to pieces and weeping and gnashing teeth for the rest of eternity? Or do you want to go to heaven where it's perfect and awesome you get to be with God? Yeah, of course. I want to go to heaven. Why would I want to be ripped to shreds every single day of my life and spend an eternity in hell? I don't want that. Nobody wants that. But in light of that, we've been so shallow with how we present the gospel that we forgot to tell them what it actually means and what it will cost you to follow Jesus. This is not something you just do when you need something, but it's something you live. It's a lifestyle following Jesus. You dedicate everything. You renounce all that you have to be his disciple. That's what Jesus says. If you don't, you cannot be his disciple. Jesus' words. It's like Jesus kills the enthusiasm. Everyone's pumped. And Jesus, you're doing miracles and all. This is so great. And this is awesome. Oh, I want to be just like you. And he's like, first, think about it. Think about what you're promising. Think about who I am. Do we have the correct view of who Jesus really is? He's not some short little Jewish man. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, read Revelation of what he looks like. It's intense. How he comes back on the horse. How he destroys evil, destroys sin. I mean, do you realize what he has done for you and who he actually is? And we think we go to God and, 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 and like, oh, just help me with my little problems. Or recognize who you're talking to first. Know the authority you speak to. Would any of you go to a general? we got a lot of military. Would any of you go to a general and just say however you want to say and directly demand something from him? Like, better get out of my face. You know what I mean? And we have that respect for earthly rulers and, and people that are in our lead, and yet we go to Jesus and whine and complain, and that's all we do, and that's our relationship is gimme, gimme, gimme. Recognize the authority you're talking to, who he actually is. He's the king of everything. Everything was created through him and for him and by him. And he sustains everything. Read Colossians. Read Hebrews. It's all in there. These are not original thoughts. This is the gospel. And Jesus is worried about quality over quantity. He doesn't need people in seats. He needs people who are radically committed. Because he had 11 disciples that were radically committed and dedicated. And they changed the world. Preach the gospel all over the world. That we actually know the gospel. We actually know of Jesus because of their blood, their sweat, their tears, their persecution, the churches they planted, the time spent in the Bible translating into the language that we have. Like, Do you realize how blessed and lucky we are? That we don't have to put in that kind of work just to follow Jesus? We're standing on the shoulders of people that have been martyred for Jesus. And you think you can just incorporate Jesus and think it's okay and you're following him? Recognize what it actually means. So as we disciple people, which hopefully you're doing as a disciple of Christ, if you call yourself one, that you tell people, yes, how good and great Jesus is, but you also let them know what it means to really follow Jesus. Because Jesus is going to ask you to do stuff that you don't want to do. And you're going to have to give up things that you don't want to give up. And if you can't do that, you ain't going to make it. You need to be filled with his spirit because if you don't have him living through you and helping you tackle these mountains that your flesh can't do, then you're going to fall on your face every time if he's not actually leading you and giving you the strength. 
And so we, going again, are we, are we staying salty? Are we finding ourselves as Christians in this place where I say I love Jesus and I pray over my food and I, I read the, the verse of the day or I've been following the plan. But you know, the majority of my time though, I'm not really reflecting Jesus compared to how he says to follow him. Not what I think Christians should do or what I see, but I look at Jesus. How am I like Jesus? I don't want to be like you or you or you. I don't want you to be my model for Christianity. You got to look at him. And if you're not, then you will think and settle someplace that God doesn't want you to be. You need to constantly be striving for this holiness thing that Jesus keeps talking about. And if you're not doing that, and if you're not staying salty, what does Jesus say? You're not, you're not good for the soil. You're not even good for the poo pile, man. Gross, Jesus. So crude. He's being drastic. He's letting you know. Don't, don't live a double life. Don't say you follow me and don't because there will be a time where you will stand face to face with Jesus. And will he say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or depart from me, I never knew you. You didn't have a relationship with me. You thought you did this whole time. You didn't. And it's like, so we have to have that thought process of, you know, it says, place your mind, look at things that are heavenly. That's what you need to focus on. Lay your treasures in heaven, not earthly stuff, but that stuff up there, this eternity thing. And because if you're, if you're just working for the here and now, this stuff is going to fade and it's going to be destroyed and, and you can focus on every, anything. It's, it's going to go away. It's going to fade. But eternity, your time with Jesus, that's going to be eternal. Eternal. It's in the name. And so you think when you're face to face with Jesus, will you, will you talk to him the way you talk to him now? Like, I have this problem or I'm struggling with this or Lord will help you. Or like, wow, the sheer magnitude of your face to face with God and you're on your face. Like, I'm not even worthy to look at you. Oh, my goodness. I love you. I thank you. And can you be that disciple that didn't reject or didn't, didn't you know, regret the life that you lived on earth? Can you imagine being face-to-face with Jesus and be like, wow, I totally missed it. Wow, I mean, I made it to heaven, but, man, I missed it. It was so much more. Jesus wanted to do so much more through me, and I just incorporated him in my life. What excuse are you going to give Jesus on that day? What's a good enough excuse? Think about the problems you had 10 years ago. Most of your problems, do you, do you even remember all the problems you had 10 years ago where you were stressing out over how you got through it? You think you're going to stand face-to-face with Jesus in the sake of eternity and remember all the hard times you went through? Or will it be worth it? Like, Jesus, thank you. I get to know you. I get to love you. You made it possible For me to know you, you made it possible for me to spend eternity with you? Like, I'm nothing. I'm insignificant and compared to everything else, and yet you love me enough to die on the cross for me? You're telling me I get to represent you to people around me? I get to be filled with your presence? Wow, that's awesome. Is that how you feel? Man, I'm running out of time. Goodness. Y'all are probably thinking that's awesome that I'm running out of time because this is hard to preach, to be honest with you. I haven't had another scripture. I'm, I'm going to say it. We're going to go one minute over. Is that okay? Is that? Okay, I got three people say yes. That's okay. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and then jump to 30. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. 
It may seem crazy to other people around you that you would be willing to give up everything and follow Jesus. And you know why? It's because they are perishing. And it's straight up foolishness that you would even do this. That you would commit your life to Jesus. But to those that actually do it and believe Jesus is who he says he is, it's power. You realize you look at people and everyone thinks you're shackled and you can't do this. You can't watch this movie. You can't do that. And you realize everyone else, you're like, you're the one that's actually shackled. You are so controlled by sin. Wow, I'm so sorry. You need Jesus. You, you, my, my life's a lot easier because I know where I'm going. Where are you going? Where's your eternity to look like? Why does Jesus ask us to follow him this way radically? At the end of the day, it's because Jesus thinks he's that great. He thinks he's actually the king of kings and lord of lords. That he's the creator that he died and rose again for you, that he made it accessible that we can talk to the Father. That's amazing. Jesus thinks he's worth it. Is he worth it to you, following him? And I, would, I, would, I could spend all day till I'm blue in the face telling you how amazing Jesus is and just the personal testimonies I've experienced and how awesome it is to follow him, but it's got to be a personal decision you make daily. You did good for Jesus yesterday. You read your Bible. You prayed. That's fantastic. Do it again tomorrow. And again tomorrow. And again tomorrow. Until Jesus comes back or you die. That's it. That's being a disciple. Giving up yourself and surely just Jesus flow through me today. The things I don't want to do, give me the strength to do it and accomplish. Let your will be done. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.